The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Denny Carter. Again, we can tell you it's Tuesday now. It is the week before the Super Bowl. Which, well, what do you? Is it the week before the week before the Super Bowl, Denny? Do we call we it call next it, week? The week before we call the Super it two Bowl? weeks before the Super Bowl. That's why. That's why we're we're calling it. And, and by the way, we are allowed to say it's Tuesday, uh, thanks to a congressional resolution that was passed recently. Well, passed by now, voice vote, actually. It's um, uh, right, and so we appreciate. Thank you to. Uh, both sides of the aisle for stepping up and allowing us to tell you that it is in fact Tuesday. There were only 82 people on the floor when it passed by acclamation. <laughs> they had no idea what it was. Six, 16 of them were asleep. Technically. Yeah, they were. Uh, that, that's uh, under. It's actually an underrated napping spot. Um, <laughs> those 240 year old mahogany chairs are actually quite soft. And, and, and if, if you if you doubt us, go to C-SPAN. You can watch it there. Yeah, you can watch it. This is what Denny and I do all day, every day, obviously. Yeah. Just watch C-SPAN. I, I grind C-SPAN. I don't watch games. I do watch C-SPAN. Denny, you know what will have the entertainment factor of C-SPAN is the Pro Bowl. <laughs> uh, the Pro Bowl skills competition, I guess it's called now, that apparently now includes Tyler Huntley, Jared Goff. Is this real? Yeah. Derek Carr? What? Yeah. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, you can at least be like trying to get some juice to a young star. Right. I knew, so I knew I wanted to talk about Huntley being there. I did not know until five seconds before the show that Derek Carr was there, who you pointed out is not currently on an NFL team. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr, technically, I guess, not in the NFL, is going to be at the Pro Bowl uh, situation. And we have to respect that. For- what are we doing? Is this, oh, is this game on NBC? Let me look. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, sure uh, on that. Pro Bowl. ESPN. Uh, okay, thank God. <laughs> thank is it, God. Wait, I, <laughs> uh, what channel is the Pro Bowl on? On ESPN. On ESPN. Okay, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we can talk freely about <laughs> Pro Bowl. Um, yeah. So Tyler Huntley, the the Tyler Huntley thing is is very curious. I, hey, I what's actually, curious about? I made a made the playoffs. <laughs> he's a playoff quarterback. The media won't say it. We will. Uh, and, and that means that the, the Bengals, by the way, beat three pro bowl quarterbacks, uh, in the, in the, well, uh, phase three, phase three pro bowl quarterbacks. Yeah. Come on. Um, hey, what you, you think it sounds like Denny thinks the AFC championship game was rigged. 
Uh, no, no, Let's, we're not. I'm not. I'm not on that uh, bandwagon. I'm on a lot of conspiracy bandwagons. Not that one. Uh, yeah. Let, yeah let, let's just, so on and so forth. Let, 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 let's explore Tyler Huntley's uh, season. Okay, so he threw two touchdowns, the three interceptions in four starts. Okay, he completed 67 percent of his passes, which is which is good. It seems that seems good until you realize that his adjusted yards per attempt uh, was 4.9. Okay. Uh, it just across the board, not great, not great numbers for Tyler Huntley. I don't, I, I actually don't even understand how his name came up in the. Pro Bowl. I don't either. Do you, Denny? Uh, off the top of your head, if I asked you what the Pro Bowl format is, do you know? Yeah, I mean they're they're uh, they're doing flag football. They're because I saw the Eli and Peyton commercial uh, like Yikes. sixteen or eighteen times. The other day. I, no, I mean I'm sure and, it's funny. And. Uh, yeah, they have they have uh, other other competitions. Are they doing like like chess? Are they playing chess against each other? Uh, is this one of those things too, where it's like players and it's like Jonah Hill promoting his new Netflix <laughs> film? He's also participating with the players, kind of like the NBA. Uh, right. You know what are they? The NBA three on three contest or whatever. The uh, home the, run the, derby, the celebrity home run derby. Right. The cast of the new Night Court. Uh, <laughs> hey, that is an NBC. So I would. And I love, love to see John Larroquette. Is that who it is there? John Larroquette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love Which to see. I, I have yeah respect for that show. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I do. I will say though, Pat, I like. I I don't want this to go away. I I like that they do some sort of thing in the week between the end of you know the championship weekend and Super Bowl weekend. I I don't mind it. I don't mind it either. But I feel like it's, the NFL should stop being afraid of its own shadow. Like. I feel like you're just as likely to get hurt in like a skills competition as you are like the watered down Pro Bowl game. So it's like just play the game. I don't know. I do wonder about like yeah, I mean, you could you could tear an ACL playing flag football. No, easily. You could tear an ACL like doing a drill. I mean, I feel like half the ACL injuries in the NFL are like yeah, it was padless practice. He was running against the air and he just collapsed. Like I don't know why. The game, like, no one really ever gets hurt in the game anymore. I think like Tyler Croft did, or uh, no, Tyler Eifert did one year. Yeah, Tyler Eifert. Uh, every tight end named Tyler is the same, but uh, <laughs> like just play the game. Like maybe they're afraid of like a Bosa brother like doing something to someone or something. Yeah, well, look, uh, the the Bosa brothers are hurt so often they should literally not be allowed on a football field unless there is a a, a regular season game uh, going on. But here, here's here by the way, here's the, the breakdown. Uh, we have Epic Pro Bowl Dodgeball, okay? A multi-round tournament of classic dodgeball featuring four teams of five players that begins with the offense, offenses and defenses from both conferences squaring off and culminates in an AFC versus NFC showdown, folks. I feel like I just every meniscus in that game just got torn. That sounds like way more of a knee injury waiting to happen in an actual football game. We have, yeah, no, I, I mean, like I diving around, bad, like bad things could happen there. Uh, lightning round. Uh, it's this is new this year. Each conference will select 16 players to compete in a three part elimination challenge that will leave one player left at the end to earn three points for his conference. Things like catching punts from the jugs machine. Laughing. I'm sorry to ruin the joke. So I actually I'm I actually for for the listeners, I, I can't see Pat right now because I'm reading 
the the Pro Bowl thing, and so I I hear the snoring, and I and I have no <laughs> idea what, where it came from. So um, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, and but here's one. Here's one I like. I like this one, and I'm not I'm not going to make any apologies for it. We have a long drive competition. Four players from each conference will compete in a challenge to drive a golf ball the furthest distance off a tee. Let's I mean, do you think someone's not tearing the labrum doing that? Like you are no. out of your mind. I mean, come on, man. Hey, I'm just saying they're they're just as likely to get hurt in these fun I, and games. As they are. I I, I it, it brings to mind when I saw Mike Trout hitting range balls at a top golf i guess somewhere on the west coast and i had never seen a golf ball hit as hard as mike trout no hit at 650 yards (laughs) so let's let's get that i i i i will enjoy that part of it really impressed that you know who mike trout is by the way it's a good sign for baseball (laughs) he's the highest paid player in american sports yeah it's a really good sign for baseball that denny has heard of mike trout actually so we'll move on from the pro bowl i i don't know I don't know if I'll be watching. <laughs> so we'll just be honest. Though. I'll be. I, I, I'm actually re- writing a handwritten letter to DraftKings asking for contests. Yeah, there should be some contests on that. Although we know several of them will be rigged. So well, I'll, they actually I'll should play. rig the Pro Bowl. Like, uh, yeah, why not? I don't know. But yeah, just to be clear, I'm going to be making a lot of rigged jokes. Uh, I do not think the games are rigged because several people have pointed out it is rigged. The Dallas Cowboys would be on track to win their 55th straight Super Bowl. Right. Uh, I I do appreciate those who uh, point out that this is the first time that refs have made a mistake. (laughs) I know. And uh, they made egregious mistakes in both both the cheap. The Bengals fans are forgetting a lot about – remember that one time they buzzed in to fix some mistake that had hurt the Bengals, but they didn't buzz in to fix a mistake that had hurt the Chiefs, and the Chiefs had to waste the challenge – um, it was just a, just it was a equally uh, poorly officiated game on both sides. It was yeah, a, quite a poorly officiated game. You know what makes the game seem better officiated is just when they don't blow the whistle like at all. Yeah, just like let it be like hand to hand combat. That, and you know that that's what it was in the Jaguars uh, Chargers game where yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the refs swallowed the whistle the entire game. I mean, there were penalties on every game. The Jags were jumping off uh, uh, false start every single snap. They were holding Joey Bosa. Um, yeah, that, that, that was egregious. Yeah. Just immediately just eliminate holding and like blocks in the back. Like just before the game, just tell the other guys, I'm not calling a block in the back. Like, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't care what I'm not doing it. Yeah. Like I'm just not doing it. All right. And everyone's like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Whatever. And like holding has to be like so egregious where you have to like be twisting someone like into an actual pretzel. Like you're actually tying their limbs right. together, like a pretzel, right. maybe all that, <laughs> but Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to one of the teams that was playing over the weekend. Who uh, Nothing you could say about the refs helping the Philadelphia Eagles demolish the San Francisco 49ers. I believe it was a 38. It was 31 to 7, Denny. And I mean, so you can't complain about the refs in this game, but people are complaining about the quality of opponent yeah. the Eagles faced because Brock Purdy got hurt. And now people are saying, you know, the Eagles are the luckiest team. You know, the team that was the last undefeated team in the NFC the team that was like the wire to wire number one seed, yeah. they are apparently lucky, Denny. Um, and, lucky. You know, apparently, apparently, there's just no bigger break a team's ever gotten than a seventh round rookie quarterback getting injured. Um, <laughs> and so everyone's talking about the Eagles being lucky. Yeah. Do you it's, agree, Denny? The it's pretty. It's pretty good. The discourse is good around the Eagles because we have an entire. I mean, they're mostly bitter NFC fans who uh, desperately want to root for a team like the Eagles that are so well run that they can go to the Super Bowl 
get rid of everyone and return to the Super Bowl five years later. Uh, and you know, not not many organizations can do that. I would I would venture to say maybe two or three in the entire league even have the capacity to do that. The Eagles are one. They did it. The whole thing. The the and this. I'm not making it. This is not a uh, straw man argument. Okay, I swear. I swear. People are out there saying that. No, it's all over Twitter. It act, it actually is not a straw that, man. It's all over that, Twitter. That the Eagles lucked into Jalen Hurts. Now, it is luck, I, I suppose, that A, they drafted Jalen Hurts, okay? Uh, B, they benched Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts when Wentz was, I think, the second hi- most highly paid quarterback in the league at the time. Okay, so they, 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 the organization made that very, very difficult, I'm sure, excruciating decision. Okay, we're playing the rookie over our guy. And then they parted ways with Wentz and committed to Jalen Hurts. All of that, of course, extremely fortunate in love. Yeah, so just committing to him every step of the way, just sheer luck factor. And like I was saying to you too, you know what's not lucky is having a quarterback backup plan. This is good planning that so many teams do not do. Yeah. Like the Eagles were roundly condemned at mm-hmm. the time. Also not a straw man argument. People like did not understand the Jalen Hurts pick. Like, why? Oh, yeah. Just like throwing a second round pick away. And like, you know, like it was genius when the Patriots did it with Jimmy Garoppolo, but it was apparently idiotic when the Eagles did it with Jalen Hurts. And I don't know, maybe at the most important position in football, you should try to have one more than one player on your roster capable of playing quarterback in any given yeah. moment. Uh, as we saw with the 49ers on Sunday, where the second their seventh rounder goes down, which I mean, in defense, was their number three quarterback. So yeah, no, maybe no. we can't condemn them for having a poor backup, but probably also could have had a better backup than a 36 year old Josh Johnson on his like 14th NFL uh, team. I, I, you know, maybe, but I, I'm thinking more along the lines of teams like uh, the Rams. Okay, like they don't have a quarterback on their roster besides Matthew Stafford, and and it and it showed. It would it would have been great. I mean, until they traded for Mayfield, of course. But uh, it would have been great to have shored up that position over last offseason. The Chargers, the Chargers have no one no. behind Justin Herbert. Now you don't have to go out and and spend a first or second round pick on a quarterback, but just have something, have something in place where the team can keep going. The Ravens are great at this. Okay, the Ravens have Tyler Huntley, who is not going Pro to Bowl. challenge. I mean, I know we just talk trash about Tyler Huntley. He 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 is what he is. I mean, he's a he's a game manager with some mobility. Um, he's not going to challenge Lamar for that starting job, obviously, but he's there to be able to conduct the offense as it was intended if Lamar goes down, and that's what he's done for two straight years. So that that's the sort of thing we're talking about. The Eagles did just that. They had you know here's another plan. By the way, if the Wentz thing doesn't work out, uh, and and it worked out beautifully. It did, and now even with Jalen Hurts as their starter, they had Gardner Minshew lined up behind him. So when Jalen Hurts got injured, they almost beat the Dallas Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Uh, A little less good against the the following week. They they weren't (laughs) – the Eagles didn't turn to John Walford when Jalen Hurts went down. That's what I'm talking about. The Rams even had – like, why did they not use Bryson Perkins more? Like, why not to see what – They tried. They actually started him against Kansas City – didn't didn't go well, yeah, but also better. also they didn't commit to Perkins as a rusher, and for that I am bitter. But yeah, I mean the Eagles. One way to get lucky in the playoffs is to have the number one seed, so you have the easiest path. And the Eagles have such a good roster; they got the number one seed even when their quarterback missed two starts in December. 
Like that's how good the team was set up for success. So, I mean, if you're lucky, there's always an element of creating your own luck. And yeah, just to completely, and you know what, you know what good teams do like good teams when the other team's quarterback gets injured, they then proceed to demolish that team. Yeah. And that is the Eagles as a good, not lucky team. Uh, demolished the San Francisco 49ers after their quarterback. We, we could spend the next 30 minutes talking about the ways in which the Eagles were not lucky, but actually just good, including the fact that when they were exposed as a very exploitable rush defense early in the season, they fixed the problem immediately. They brought in two run stuffers. They changed up their scheme a little bit to make sure teams couldn't gash them on the ground, and it worked beautifully. They were a, a, a top 10 or top 12 rushing defense from then on out. And that's all they needed to be. You know, they didn't need to be, they did not need to be an elite run defense. They were good enough and look where they are. So that, you know, the, the, this thing, this luck thing is just, it's, it's uh, sour grapes. That's what it's, it's sour grapes. It's idiotic. And you have to give, there are many reasons we have to give props to Howie Roseman, but I mean, the zoomers probably literally will not remember that at one point he was embroiled in a power struggle with yeah. Chip Kelly and typically when there's a power struggle, there are no winners. Like one guy wins and like the next year, like the coach who won or the GM who won just gets fired too. It's like word to the Mike Vrabel wise. Like hopefully it wasn't a Pyrrhic victory when you forced out John Robinson, but Howie Roseman won a power struggle with Chip Kelly and then has proceeded to build a Super Bowl winning roster with Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and now a Super Bowl making roster with Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. Seems to be a pretty good general manager. He's uh, he's excellent. He's excellent. He is excellent. And by the way, I mean, the Eagles' past three quarter coaching hires are Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, and Nick Sirianni. The Peterson hire was kind of panned at the time. People there were people kind of forget hashtag people forget there was chatter like the Chiefs were not even going to retain Doug Peterson if the Eagles did not mm-hmm. hire him as head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And then Nick Sirianni, of course, came out like Jersey Mike at his opening press conference, like, oh, yikes, the Eagles finally made a bad hire. And no, it turns well, uh, out he's an elite head By the way, just on a side note, Nick Sirianni recently called himself out for that opening. Uh, Did he really? <laughs> he, said, he said, he told his, his players, he said, look, oh, we're yeah. always improving. He said, I, I looked back at my opening press conference where he came off as, I don't know, belligerent, somewhat ignorant, and – and he said, "I have to get. I have to be better than that." And he has been. I mean, he's still in your face that type of type of coach. I know people don't like that, but he, you know, he's he's gotten better. And I mean, he's one win away from cementing himself as a legend in Philadelphia. And and he and will be in a position where he can hold on to that job for as long as he wants. He didn't really come out the opening press conference. For those who forgot, it was just like, "We're going to score points. We're going to play defense. We're going to have a special teams unit." Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna run the football. Yeah. We're gonna throw the football. Yeah. We're gonna intercept the football. We're gonna recover lost fumbles. And then when I, I see you getting visibly uncomfortable, uh, imagine when the real press conference and it went on like that for a yeah. long time. Right. I mean, uh, I, there were columnists saying like uh, the Eagles have to fire this guy now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that one may be a straw man argument. <laughs> Someone saying it to be fired instantly, uh, but. No, I don't, actually, I probably was. I don't, or, or don't resurface made, my tweets. They've made a huge mistake. Well, him and Joe Judge seem like cut from the same cloth. Yeah, that that was that was. There was no shortage of they have made a huge mistake columns. So ba- basically, saying they got to fire this guy by another name. Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Speaking of firing a guy, Denny, Mike McCarthy has fired his offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. I guess more, more, uh, what's the word? More, re- uh, he didn't actually fire him. They didn't renew his contract. They did not retain. Oh, they mutually parted yeah. or whatever. They did not retain Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. I think maybe his contract was up. Uh, that's what made this easier. But Mike McCarthy has named himself offensive coordinator, Denny. Oh. This is the same Mike McCarthy who, by the, by the end of his time in Green Bay, Packers fans were like basically gouging their eyes out with spoons yes. on Twitter. Like, oh, guess what? He called another slant. Um, <laughs> that was the theme of Mike McCarthy on Twitter. What effect will Mike McCarthy naming himself offensive coordinator have on Dallas's offense, Denny? It is amazing to see McCarthy after another postseason disappointment basically say to Kellen Moore and the rest of the organization, I'm the captain now. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, this didn't work out. I'm taking over. So McCarthy strikes me, and looking back at his uh, history uh, as a play caller, uh, he strikes me as a guy uh, for whom the game has passed him by. Um, I, I, I don't know how else to say that. Uh, there, there are, you know, when he, he was offensive corner for the Saints, folks forget, back way back when. 23 years ago. And a lot of his play calling success has come with a good amount of rushing. Uh, I know that during the Aaron Rodgers uh, prime, that was, that's, that's a a little um, uh, deceiving because Rodgers was so hyper efficient during those seasons that they actually didn't have to throw that often. Like I know from a fantasy standpoint, I remember Rodgers being able to score 30 fantasy points on like 11 throws. So, um, so there, that, that is, that's a little bit deceptive, but I, I I think that this means bad things for the Dallas offense. I think that it, it means a more, a more conservative approach. I think that the tension between Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy was that Kellen Moore wanted to run a pass-first, uh, modernized offense, and McCarthy did not want that. So I, I I don't see it going well. Cowboy stats and graphics, a really good account on Twitter, to point it out that it's just bizarre that they really had pretty much successfully met in the middle. Like They were running a little too much, some would say a lot too much, and not mixing up maybe the play calling enough where – they just weren't doing it in an EV fashion, the runs. Like, as we know, you can still run the ball. You just have to be not so predictable as when you run the ball. But they had really mostly had success together, Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy. And that he pointing out that they basically seem to just be overreacting to their end-of-season losses the past two years, yeah, the Cowboys. Right, and, right. like, frustrating, highly visible failures, especially what happened against the 49ers this year where just – the game, the score was competitive, but the Cowboys just didn't really compete in that game the way they should have with their personnel. But like, did it just making this sort of drastic change just feels like a grave overreaction from the Cowboys? And it's like you said, a guy who he couldn't figure out how to score points with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, who then after they fired him, proceeded to win 13 games three straight years and win two MVPs for Aaron Rodgers. And it seems like, yeah, a guy who was kind of out of ideas. And maybe he has some new ideas. Maybe he's yeah. been rejuvenated by working with Kellen Moore, but it yeah. just seems like a very, very, very poor idea. Yeah, it's uh it's I think for fantasy purposes, it's a pretty big red flag for the offense in, in, in general. Um McCarthy yeah. was obsessed with short passing in Green Bay. I think even more than he was obsessed with running, he was obsessed with short passing. I mean, maybe that'll keep like the PPR dream alive for some of these guys. Sure, but- sure. 
Um, I, I, I just, I don't, I just think that if the, the guy who wanted to be more traditional and establish it and run on first down, things of that nature, he won, he won in the end. And that just can't be good for, for this team. I know we'll get to more in a second, but um, when the, when the Cowboys, I remember when the Cowboys went pretty pass heavy, at least in the first half against Tampa Bay in the uh, playoff game. And Moore was, was like celebrating with McCarthy in a way that was like, Hey, it's working, Mike. Like my thing is working where we're passing it all the time, even in, even on first down. And, and uh, it's, it's really working out. We're going to win this game, Mike. What do you think? And uh, it didn't, didn't hold for the next game. It did not hold against the Niners. No, no. And yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, it's too, it, the, this is simplistic analysis, but maybe it's a red flag when several teams are interested in your offensive coordinator as a head coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good enough to be your offensive coordinator though. Um, I mean, well, maybe yeah. it was an untenable situation and that they, they just couldn't, they were just at a total loggerheads and they didn't want to fire Mike McCarthy and it wouldn't do anyone any good for them to continue to work together. But I mean, then that's just bad well, in a different way. I, I think, you know, I think what you're saying is that, uh, others, other teams like deep interest in a, pl- a play caller indicates that there is there's there's something there that the other the the former team did not see. Another example is Mike Lafleur from you know being fired by the Jets. I know they said mutual, whatever it wasn't. He was fired. Yeah, so he's right. fired. Fifteen minutes later, he's picked up by Sean McVay. Yeah, simply know? love for my fired offensive yeah. coordinator to be immediately hired. By the single best evaluator of coaching talent in the NFL, Sean McVay. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So, so the 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 best offensive mind in the league hires your guy. You bring on the biggest laughing stock in the entire NFL, and Nathaniel Hackett. It seems like a bad move to me, Pat. I don't know. Especially when they become the second team in two years to hire Nathaniel Hackett with the express purpose of luring Aaron Rodgers to New York, and then it does not work. It it worked for the Broncos. Let's see if it works for the Jets. Yeah, let's see if it works for the Jets. So we talk about Kellen Moore having interest from other teams. One of those teams is the Los Angeles Chargers, who everyone's like, uh, you got to fire Joe Lombardi. They do fire Joe Lombardi. Then yeah. Kellen Moore is a coaching free agent for like 20, 30 minutes before the Char- Chargers <laughs> scooped him up. I made him the new offensive coordinator, Denny. Seems like a good development for Justin Herbert. What is going to be the effect of – Kellen Moore's arrival in Los Angeles. I almost said San Diego. Right. Well, he's uh, he may he may spend some time in San Diego. Yeah, he will. Yeah. He's going to be driving down there. Uh, so since the start of 2021, uh, Dak Prescott under Kellen Moore in his system had um, <clears throat> averaged eight air yards per attempt. That was 12th among qualifying quarterbacks. Uh, Justin Herbert, since the start of 2021, is 29th among man, all man. quarterbacks in air yards per attempt at seven. Just he's criminal. Behind, he's behind deep ball uh, aficionados such as Jimmy Garoppolo and Andy <laughs> Dalton. Uh, and so if you look at their hey, ADOT. pro bowlers Jimmy Garoppolo and Andy Dalton. To you. <laughs> uh, if you look at their average depth of target over the past two seasons, Dak Prescott sits at 8.7. Uh, Justin Herbert all the way down at 6.8, one of the lowest in the NFL, uh, Dak Prescott throws uh, downfield at a higher rate. It's uh, what, what I'm saying here is that we might, this might be a step in the right direction for our desire to see Justin Herbert use his all world arm to propel the ball forward more than five yards at a time. Um, 
I will say the caveat to this is that the Chargers may want to get some receivers who run the yes. 40 in under five seconds. Yes. Uh, and the caveat too, their number one receiver who ran, who ran the 40 infamously about four, six Keenan Allen coming into the NFL, kind of getting a little like cap casualty rumors. Um, yeah. so even he yeah. could be gone. So even maybe the underneath game, maybe in need of being remade. So yeah, Kellen Moore, his success is going to be, they're going to have to get some better skill talent in there in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. I actually think it was a, a bit of a combination of, of, a, of a bad offensive scheme operated by Joe Lombardi, basically turning uh, Justin Herbert into Drew Brees. We've talked about that, but also just a a lack of downfield options. I mean, if Mike Williams wasn't in, that ball was not going beyond 10 yards ever, okay? Josh Palmer's slow. Keenan Allen's slow. Austin Eckler operates, obviously, around the line of scrimmage. Everett is not scaring anybody as a downfield threat. So they, I think it was a mix of the scheme plus the lack of, of downfield personnel which is why i'm once again begging dj chark to consider the charge yeah consider the chart and also of course we can't forget the offensive line injuries which yeah justin herbert had some of the worst protection in the nfl so kellen moore is going to need a few things to break right but there's no question what he's put on nfl film over the past several seasons is just a lot better than the joe lombardi has at several stops um so he, he only knows how to call plays one way he's from that sean payton drew Brees school like you said and he's just not going to open up. You know, maybe part of it, too, is Justin Herbert. Maybe Justin Herbert really is kind of a more conservative quarterback than we would like to admit. But if that's the case, then he needs a coach who's going to coax him out of that shell. Yes. And Joe Lombardi just had no interest in doing that. They were two peas and the short area pod. Um, so probably about as good a hire as the Chargers could have made, to be honest. For I love team. it. I really, yeah, I really yeah. do like the hire. I think Brandon Staley has – made difficult decisions, uh, but these decisions could keep him in uh, as, as head coach of the chargers for, you know, I don't know, not forever, but for a long, for a long time, I think that he's made the right choices. He, he knew that Joe Lombardi was not the long-term answer and that he could not possibly go into another season with Lombardi calling plays. Yeah. We always know that chargers bill comes due. He'll probably be gone in two years, but yeah, Maybe it won't be because of Kellen Moore. Producer Adam points out, by the way, they have three picks in the top 85, yeah. the Chargers, so there's going to be at least one skill player uh, arriving in that group. Uh, you know, I would love to see L.A. Uh, invest a high draft pick on a receiver. I think that the People be- are out there like watching these like Shrine games. Where they, they're telling me that it's supposedly not a good receiver class, finally. We've had several good receiver classes in a row, yeah. but uh, hopefully the Chargers can find some receiver help. Um, hopefully we can find some podcast help uh, after this break. We'll be right back. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto World Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto World Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus use promo code BUNDLE5, B-U-N-D-L-E-5, and save an extra $5 at checkout. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Danny, we're having so much fun talking about offensive coordinators that I thought we would just play a theoretical coordinator game. And just say, like, amongst – like, if you were hiring a head football coach this offseason in the NFL – I'm going to ask you who your preferred like offensive coordinator to promote to head coach would have been. Mm-hmm. And then your preferred defensive coordinator. So say you're running the Houston Texans. You've decided to make an offensive-minded head coach, and it has to be a current NFL offensive coordinator. Who would be your choice uh, for the next offensive coordinator to lead your football team, Denny? I mean, I, I you know I thought about this. I went back and forth a little bit. I, I actually think Kellen Moore. I would go with Kellen Moore. I, I think that he's – shown enough and i think that he's been held back in a a way that his system has not been able to flourish the way it could have and should have the way that we saw in 2020 before Dak prescott's leg injury um i i i have trust i have faith that that system if left alone can be very successful in the modern nfl and i think i think kellen moore is a forward-thinking play caller his use of uh, his use of play action, his use of motion, I, I think you know it's it's actually increased in recent years to the point where I I believe that he's on the cusp of you know proving himself. I think that he's going to have maybe one year as the offensive coordinator in the for the Chargers before he lands his own head coaching job. So I would say more. I think I would have gone slightly riskier, and maybe this guy just truly wasn't available because he claimed he wasn't, but. I would have backed up the Brinks truck for Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. And it's risky because the track record is short. It was really his first year calling plays. Maybe he did a little bit of it in 2021. It was a little unclear who was calling plays after Anthony Lynn was let go in 2021. And Ben Johnson could also be risky because I kind of have a suspicion that the Lions offense was more about Dan Campbell than Ben Johnson and that we're really underrating the imprint Dan Campbell put on that offense and what he dictated because the offense was just like night and day different in 2021 after they let go of Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell like assumed ownership of that offense. But just the way what the Lions did this year with Jared Goff at quarterback and it's pretty interesting skill players, but not an elite skill core yet. I mean, you have basically a glorified slot guy in Amon Ross St. Brown and you have Jamison Williams not playing till, till late in the season, playing very limited snaps. I mean, you have DJ Shark, who you are just begging the Chargers to sign, but Wait. not the, not the greatest personnel in the world, and just everything was maximized by the Lions. And yeah, Ben Johnson just seems like he's just like the kind of hire that's been being made too. He's thirty six. Guys, teams have basically decided realized you can't let these guys like sit around out there like season for two or three years. Like if you identify like the next Sean McVay type, you just can't wait around. You have to take yeah. a risk. And then maybe it kind of ends up like Brandon Staley where you, you maybe hired a guy like a little too quickly who isn't quite ready for this job. But I think that's got to be the trend teams have got to follow. They've got to be aggressive. 
even if it's one year, like, yeah, this guy looks like the real deal. We can't risk that he's going to be around the next time we need to make a hire and you got to go out and be aggressive. I like that. I, I would have been all over Ben Johnson from the Lions. I like that. Another guy, you know, I went back and forth on before landing on Kellen Moore was uh, Mike Kafka, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Giants. I mean, I think just like simply put, I mean, you can go on about this, but uh, the Giants had the eighth highest EPA per play this year with Daniel Jones as quarterback. I, I know I've said some positive things about Daniel Jones recently, but come on. I mean, the guy is not, he's not a top half starter in the NFL. And, uh, you know, Kafka was able to, you know, run a scheme, operate an offense that was efficient throughout, even, even when they, when they struggled, they were efficient in the run game. They were okay in the pass game. Uh, I, I think that that in itself, just like, just like Ben Johnson getting the most out of, uh, out of Jared Goff is a, is, is a great signal for his potential. I think Kafka getting the most out of Daniel Jones, uh, is a sign that, you know, he can, he can do a lot with a little. Kafka, he seemed to be a finalist for the Texans. It appears the Texans are going to hire 49ers defensive coordinator mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryans. That is not official. He's currently in the running for the Cardinals job. I totally agree. Kafka is the kind of guy you take a chance on and has some of the same question marks uh, that Ben Johnson has where, you know, in New York, we, we know with Brian Dable, like calling the plays and like being the true architect of the offense. Like if you're going to hire someone, maybe hire the guy learning from like the best guy doing it right now, basically. And Brian Dable, who uh, the Bills really, really miss Brian Dable. I think it was safe to say we saw the Bills having no offensive backup plan in the most important games of the season. Mike Kafka, also part of the Andy Reid mm-hmm. coaching tree. Definitely is, again, kind of a thin resume where he hasn't been a coordinator for that long. Uh, hard to separate him from his head coaches. But the, I just think, again, that's the blueprint you follow right now is – you identify talent you try to strike early on them. I mean, it's worked with all the McVay guys. It worked with Nick Sirianni, who even before his press conference was kind of a controversial hire uh, for the Eagles. Cause it was like, they were like, was this guy even calling plays for the Colts? Right. Like, um, it was kind of a country. Cause but that's what you gotta do. You, you find the guy and you hire him. Well, you hire him one year, one year too early instead of one year too late when they've already been hired by someone else. So Mike Kafka, a very good, very good second selection, Dave. Yeah, and then there's Press Taylor, offensive coordinator of the Jaguars. Now I know Doug Peterson was the was the offensive uh, play caller, so I, I do understand that. But if you look at uh, you know the se- season long numbers, only four teams had a, a higher offensive success rate than Jacksonville this season, um, and only seven teams had a higher EPA per play. Like they, they were above like the aforementioned giants. They were just below the dolphins, you know? So, and, and, and this came in a season where the Jacksonville offense really struggled through a stretch there. Right. And um, so they, they, they were still able to finish in that, in that top 10. I, I don't, I don't know how much involvement press Taylor has in the actual game day stuff, but I think he is a name. I'm kind of surprised we're not hearing more about it. Yeah. That's actually a pretty good point. Uh, but you know why hire any of those guys when you can hire? There was a great 2022 play caller out there, Nathaniel Hackett, and the Jets just they had to pounce. So. It's it's just uh, it's really like for for those of us who want to see new new ideas enter football, who want to see the best you know teams play the best plays, you know, yeah, uh, make 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 one right decision. It's it's really it's depressing, you know. It, it when when you see a guy like Hackett just get recycled immediately after 
one of the biggest failures in recent NFL uh, history. Yeah, and hashtag people forget uh, it wasn't just the Broncos where he failed. He, he was a very unmemorable Bills offensive coordinator yeah. about 10 years ago. He was a very, very unmemorable Jaguars offensive coordinator. I mean, I guess they reached an NFC championship game with yeah. him, but that was all about their historically good defense. Yeah, just, yeah, he, man. And the hire is just so cynical. It was clearly made with one purpose in mind, and that is to get Aaron Rodgers to become a New York Jet. I mean, congratulations on Nathaniel Hackett for having a cool friend. I will say, I mean, we can debate how much Aaron Rodgers has left in the tank. I'll at least give the hire the benefit of the doubt if it does bring Aaron Rodgers to New York. I will say that. Um, I, I know some people probably gonna think Aaron Rodgers is done. Sometimes, I, sometimes I, I'm with you. I, I, I get he would be a huge upgrade, and I would be excited for the fantasy prospects of Garrett Wilson and others in that offense if Rodgers is there. I get that. I also think that the 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 mixture of Aaron Rodgers and New York media could paint oh, the whole thing. I know because he was bristling at the uh, Wisconsin media, right? Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying like, you know, this is not analytics exactly and you can't measure it, but knowing what we know about Rogers, knowing what we know about the pressure of playing in New York, ask Zach Wilson about that. Uh, I feel like it could just be a catastrophic uh, situation. There. Or maybe Rogers is at the stage where he cares more about like the media than football. And he's just kind of like love the sparring and like trying to correct them. He'd, He's one of those people who like loves correcting quote unquote what he thinks are your bad opinions. Uh, so maybe he'll like relish that. Although no, he won't. He'll be the second they lose to like the Patriots in week one. That's going to be the most like solemn, somber, like, yes. snappish press conference you've ever seen. So yeah, it's uh that would be a really, really interesting fit. Yeah. Denny, since we're fantasy guys, of course we just talk about offense the whole time, but now we have to pretend that we understand defensive coordinator <laughs> talent. Yeah. Um, if you could hire one defensive-minded assistant as your next head coach, who would it be? I mean, do you know any defensive coordinators? No, I do. <laughs> I do. I know. I know three. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But uh, we are to be clear to the audience. We are kidding about that. Uh, we know yeah. a lot of coordinators. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, we have to. We have to eventually learn about them uh, because of the blurbing. So, uh, just the folks I'm sure you've think. just been loving that, by the way. Yeah, I do. Uh, Lou Anarumo. I know it's the that's the stock answer, but the, the Bengals defense has been so solid, especially in critical moments over the past two seasons. That I, I I don't really. I mean, maybe he's just a low key guy, and you know doesn't really like hit it out of the park in interviews or something. Uh, I know he's interviewing for the Cardinals head coaching job, and that would require Kyler Murray's blessing. I'm guessing. Um, Kyler is crying at the thought yeah, not, of him hiring a tough-minded defensive head coach. Brian sure. Flores also in the mix there, and he will. Kyler will cry. Yeah, so I'm not sure if if Murray is going to say you know give the green light to Anarumo, uh, but I I do I do think he would be my choice. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to take the uh, chalk answer. No, it's the chalk answer for me too. Because I, mean, I just think we're basically going to use this as like a stump for like someone does need to hire Lou Anarumo. Like it's as clear as day what he's done with I mean, okay personnel with the Bengals, but the Bengals defense is clearly like a scheme job and not a personnel job. Again, it's not like the personnel you're not reaching back to back AFC championship games with bad defensive personnel. Like the Bengals defense is more scheme than personnel right now. And you just can't 
you you can't ignore what Lou Anarumo has done. And if I like, if I'm sitting down to hire a head coach, definitely does not fit the profile of what I'd be looking for. Because like I'm a strong believer, like you've got a higher offensive mind, and you've got to hire an offensive mind who's going to be his own play caller. Because there's just nothing more. The leadership qualities we we especially as fantasy guys we really really underrate. But mm-hmm. beyond like being a good leader, like having like your offensive play caller locked down is just so important because like the second you get a good offensive play caller, who's not you, they get plucked away. Right. Like you just have to have like offense in general, defense is more about personnel than scheme. Whereas offense, the scheme is so important. We see these Kyle Shanahan teams keep almost reaching the Super Bowl with like doorman at quarterback, you know? Yes. Like uh, scheme is so important in offense. And now for offense that if I'm like building my head coach in a lab, he's an offensive play caller, but there are defensive minds who come around and break the mold every once in a while. And like, I thought Vic Fangio was worth a head coaching job shot. Like it didn't work out. Like I thought he was a good enough defensive mind that he was worth taking a shot on as a head coach. Lou Anarumos is very similar to that. He raised 56, which will not be attractive to teams as everyone's trying to hire like the next 35 year old. But I just think like amongst like assistant coaches in the NFL right now who are clearly making a difference in their team's fortunes, I think Louis Anarumo is like in the top three or four of like any assistant. And like he he deserves and needs a head coaching shot this offseason. And he might get it, but he probably won't. And and who knows? I mean, he might not have that that like head coaching fervor. Like, you know, like it it, it takes a there there are lots of guys who are way better at coordinating than they are it's true uh, at, at at doing the head coach thing i mean hackett is is definitely definitely one of them and he's not even that good of a coordinator yeah, i was going to say is he even good good coordinator i mean he's not that good but he's way better way better coordinator than he is head coach so i don't know if anarumo fits fits that bill uh you know look i i take no pleasure in saying this but uh in looking at epa per play numbers this year and over the past two years, uh, a defensive coordinator, Washington defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio comes to mind as a, uh, a guy who, a guy who has shown kidding? that he, he coaches a pretty lean defense. Now I know that he's probably not hireable uh, for, for, for toxic brand reasons, but uh, you know, he's, he's pretty good. He seems pretty good. Yikes! I do not agree with that one. No, I think that one is more personnel based for the Commanders, strictly based on the numbers. I will say, even more deserving probably than Lou Anarumo. He wasn't technically a current defensive coordinator; he's an assistant. I would be a team that recycles Brian Flores, and Brian Flores got fired from the Dolphins, I think, because of his just fire and brimstone offensive approach. Like, I'm recycling my own joke that I stole from my Dolphins fan friend. <laughs> um, that he coached like it was illegal to score more than 17 points, Brian right. Flores. Like a big failing of Brian Flores as a head coach, but I think it's like fair to call Brian Flores a defensive mastermind. And we saw that as a head coach. Yeah. And I'd be very, very comfortable with my team recycling Brian Flores. Um, cause cause we know we already know he can do it. Like he was a head coach and a successful coordinator at the same time. You do wonder, I mean, a team that's an offensive crisis like the Cardinals. I, I don't know. Brian Flores might not be the best guy to bring in there. They also they also suck on defense. So they do, well, know. yeah, they kind of overachieved on defense for a while, but yeah, um, I would probably recycle Brian Flores before I give Lou Anarumo a chance. He's also like a lot younger. Yeah, him. no, I would too. I, I I would I would definitely uh, want want Flores as a defensive with player. Brian Flores. Is like, listen, man, 
We need to try to score some points too. I, 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 I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think that you can uh, not be a player's coach and have success. Long yeah. Time. Brian Flores is cut from a older school cloth. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. And he's not, he's not a player. Like, like there are, there are tough coaches uh, out there, but who are also, I think players coaches, you know I mean? I, they, 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 they're not going to pretend this is 1985 and they can talk to players any way they want. Yeah. So, that, but I, I still, I would give Brian Flores another chance. Another guy, Mike McDonald, the coordinator for the Ravens, that defense got a lot better as the year went on both heart, John and Jim, the brothers Harbaugh have <laughs> identified talent in Mike McDonald, who's only 35 years old, but wow. he had ses- success wow. as Michigan's defensive coordinator for one year. He's had success as the Ravens defensive coordinator for one year. So you might not be comfortable like, man, this guy's been an NFL coordinator for literally one year. Yeah. But again, it's just that you need to get out in front. And if you think this guy is the next great coach, like you can't wait for him to season. Maybe it'll backfire. And of course, ideally they would have more seasoning. But like if you think he's the next great coach and both John and Jim Harbaugh, like on the record, like, yeah, this guy's like a future NFL head coach. I'd be very interested in the Ravens. I can't remember if Mike McDonald is getting any love or not here. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm not at all typing. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not typing either. Mike uh, McDonald, Roto World, right now. Um, I don't think no. he's gotten any. Yeah, I, I don't think he has any sniffs yet. No. Yeah, no sniffs. Um, so, but he's another good one. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or... Get goofy officially, step up like a boss and save the day, or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Uh, the show's almost over, but for some reason I wanted to talk about Derek Carr because uh, apparently they're not allowing him to seek a trade right now. Even like, why would they not be? Uh, I don't really understand that. <laughs> he's clearly not going to be back with well, – obviously he's already said he's not going to be back to the Raiders. Where do you think the most boring quarterback in the NFL, Denny Carter, Derek Carr, ends up for 2023? Well, I know I know where you think he, he, he's going. I do. Thank, please, yeah, thank you for not and revealing it. Not, not going to take that one. You actually uh, can if you want. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, I think that he would be a good fallback option for the Jets. Uh, I mean, basically – That's a Jets, really good answer. Yeah, the Jets can't cannot go into 2023 – 
with Zach Wilson and Mike White duking it out for starting no. duties. They just can't. They just no. can't. So obviously there's there's a lot of smoke around Rodgers. If that doesn't work out, and I guess it just never really does seem to work out, uh, you know, then I think, you know, bring in Carr and, and give him the job. And I, I think Carr could be fine for this team. I think that they, they would be a playoff team with Derek Carr. Yeah, I think the Jets are one of the only places where he would make like a real difference. Because they were just clearly a quarterback away in 2022, yeah. where and they had, had even vaguely competent quarterback play. Yeah, not even good quarterback. Play. I'm not yeah. talking about a guy who can light the world on fire. Just someone who can, yeah, like is competent, who can check down without throwing interceptions, who doesn't have like the yips and footwork issues like yeah. mid game. You know, they probably would have gotten in there over the Ravens or the Dolphins if they yeah. had even. So the Jets are a good answer. I do for some reason everything about him screams New Orleans Saints to me. Um, we're like, of course, everyone's made the joke that it would be the Colts, but I think the Colts are going to finally shy away from like the quarterback reclamation project for a variety of like shame based reasons. Um, but I think the Saints, the Saints always think their roster is better than it is. Like they're always going all in on every year. I don't think the Saints are going to view what's got they got going on as like a gut job and a rebuild. And I, they have to upgrade on Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. And you could argue how big of an upgrade Derek Carr really is, but he just seems like a future New Orleans Saint waiting to happen to me, that they're going to want to try to – I mean, I guess maybe if they identify a quarterback in the draft, they would do that. They probably don't even have a first-round draft pick. They probably traded it for like a safety or something. Yeah. Um, he just screams future New Orleans Saint to me since the Colts are off the table. The, the Jets make a lot of sense. Saints have a good defense. Like they, they do have a pretty good defense still. They well, and they have a good defense um whose offense constantly puts them in terrible situations. So uh I, I do think that they might be a quarterback away from making the postseason as well. I wonder is Carr that much better than Andy Dalton? Yeah, I, I I can't say yes off the bat. Like I'd I'd have to I'd have to look into that very strongly. I'll be honest. Yeah, we're we're looking into it very powerfully. If Derek Carr is better than Andy Dalton, um, very very strongly powerfully. Um, can't see anywhere else where he would really, because he's going to be a starter. He's going to get one one last starting job. Derek Carr. I don't think he's not going to be forced to be a backup. I don't think. When the tight maybe the Titans could be I don't remember what the Tannehill contract situation is. Oh, I think they're stuck with him for this year. Maybe the Texans. Uh, I guess the maybe to pair with a rookie quarterback, but yikes! I don't know. I I can't imagine that Derek Carr wants to. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, producer Adam points out they somehow don't have a first round pick. The Saints, I knew it. Uh, their first well, they, pick, the 40th pick. Uh, they're signing Derek Carr. Yeah, they're they're forty four billion dollars over the cap, and they have no picks. Yeah. So. No one's going to trade for Derek Carr. He's going to get cut, and the New Orleans Saints are going to sign. The him. Saints are great at pretending like they're good. That's but. what I'm saying. They every year they're like, you know what? I know the industry doesn't love our roster, but we do. You, you're not good. You're you're in fact you're bad. And, That's why and we're signing Derek Carr over the long haul. I think it would be good, Saints. If you just admitted, you just faced yourself in the mirror and said, we're so bad. We're so bad. <laughs> they were Terrible. so close. They were so close to being so bad in 2022. And you just, you need to rip off the bandaid and say, okay, we're going, we're, we're, we're going into hell folks. We're going straight to hell for three years. Hopefully we come out of it. Yeah. Jim Irsay had his druthers. Derek Carr would be a cult, but since that's not going to be allowed to happen, he will be a saint. There will be no druthers for Irsay. <laughs> 
And, and since we're out of things to talk about, that'll be the end of this show. Um, so, yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. I hope you keep it locked to rotoworld.com. Danny, when's the Super Bowl preview going to come out, this week or next? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to look into that. I think next week. Looking into it very powerfully. Um, so, but, but keep it locked to the side. There's going to be good stuff going up all week. Eric Froton is getting up a lot of stuff on the various college all-star games, I guess you call them. So we already got the NFL draft content pump, pumping. I'm putting on an article this week, a seasons and review article where I break down the 2020, 2022 season for all 30, 30 teams whose seasons are over. I will add the Super Bowl teams after the Super Bowl is played. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for more podcasting later in the week. For Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening. We will be back later. I can barely talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.